0: we mm-hmm. Hi everyone. Uh, my name's Brett Foley. I'm a content producer at uh, ANZ, and we're joined today by Daniel Hines, who's a senior commodities strategist at ANZ. He's here to discuss uh, movements in the global commodities markets. Hi Brett. Uh, thanks for having me today. It'd probably be an understatement to say there's been a lot going on in the last little while. So we thought it'd be a good opportunity to explain some of the observations that you're seeing. Um, you know, globally, central banks have been tightening interest rates. And we're just wondering, what does that tightening cycle mean for economic growth and for overall demand?
1: Well, it certainly has been an interesting uh, period. And, uh, you, know, the, uh, you know, the high inflation that we've actually seen as a result of uh, commodity uh, prices gaining has obviously seen central banks really start to, to tighten that monetary policy. And, uh, you know, it can have a, you know, quite, a, quite a significant impact on, on global growth. Um, You know, we do expect, particularly in in, uh, regions like um, Europe, where Um, You know that energy crisis is at its uh, greatest. You know the uh, the economic impact is going to be uh, quite significant. But certainly, you know, for uh, for countries like the US, where you know the central bank there has been uh, quite uh, aggressive in in taming inflation, um, there's certainly going to be uh, complications. We've seen a lot of futures markets start to obviously price in a fairly aggressive rate hike cycle, which has then led to I suppose, lower um, estimates of uh, economic growth and, and clearly commodity markets, which, you know, are driven by uh, that, uh, that global activity um, are now expected to, to weaken. And so, you know, we've seen uh, that play out in terms of uh, prices with, uh, you know, commodities like um, copper and oil obviously falling quite, uh, quite sharply over the past uh, couple of months. But, I mean, when you step back and, and have a look at, uh, I suppose, previous uh, rate hike cycles, it's actually not all that bad news for commodities. Um, we've actually seen, uh, or have seen, um, over the past sort of four or five cycles, um, demand and subsequently uh, commodity prices hold up relatively well. And I think the basis of that is that you know central banks are tightening because you know, the, the economy is too hot. Um, and, and so, you know, demand under that sort of scenario should be relatively uh, strong, even though they are obviously looking, looking to, to tighten that to somewhat, to, um, you know, I suppose, lessen than the, the impact on, on consumer prices, but, but ultimately, uh, the reason for the rate hikes are because economic growth is, is quite strong or too strong, um, in a sense. So, um, you know, we, we actually do see that after that initial shock around um, the market repricing, I suppose, um, uh, interest rates or expectations of interest rates, then uh, we do see uh, commodity prices start to stable.
0: Mm. And you mentioned Europe. Uh, you know, one of the major uh, factors affecting the global commodity markets is the war in Ukraine and, and a resulting gas crisis in Europe. What, what has that situation done for demand of commodities like, uh, coal
1: and LNG the sheer scale of cuts to, to Russian gas in particular to, to Europe, um, you know, is, is, um, so significant that, um, you know, they, they just can't replace it with anything in the, uh, in the shorter term. And, and so that's going to force them to make some hard decisions. And they've certainly highlighted some of those, uh, including, um, restricting um gas consumption to certain sectors um particularly I think the industrial sector ultimately there are going to be uh sectors there which just can't operate uh, purely because there just is not enough um gas or you know other energy there to, to really power them so you know that will ultimately you know lead to you know weaker um industrial output um through a lot of sectors and 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 that does um, does bode uh, you know uh, not well for you know that the uh, the uh, the country and the continent there um, as a consequence initially um, it's going to mean unfortunately for um, for the globe you know an increase in emissions um, as they uh, push back towards you know more fossil fuels just to meet that um, that gap in gap in energy so um, coal in particular will be lent on uh, a lot more. Uh, for example, Germany is looking to restart old coal-fired power plants. Um, and uh, and they are also look to uh, delay the, the phase-out of the, the nuclear power industry. Uh, once again, Germany was, was in line to close all of their nuclear power plants by the end of this year. Um, and obviously faced with, you know, an acute shortage over their winter, um, you know, they've decided to at least delay that that phase out as well. Ultimately, I do think it's going to support or accelerate, in fact, um, investment in renewable energy. So I think over the medium to longer term, we're probably going to see an acceleration of that transition, uh, which, is, which is obviously quite um, promising. Uh, but as I said, it's going to be that that this, uh, this period now between uh, between now and, and when that renewable energy capacity can really make a difference, which is going to be uh, going to be diff- um, difficult. And so, um, I do feel like you know, the LNG uh, market globally is now positioned to take a much um, a much stronger sort of um, uh, position within the energy mix as that transition. Um, evolves um, it certainly um, you know ticks the boss boxes in terms of um, you know being a, 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 um, a less uh, less emitting um, energy source particularly compared to to coal-fired power um, and it can be brought on relatively uh, quickly compared to um, other energy sources another energy source obviously is oil
0: and, and with the conflict in Ukraine has meant Russia has been hit with sanctions uh,
1: what, what does that meant for the for the global su- supplies of crude oil i mean it's uh, producing about 12 um, percent of global supply so anytime you get a hit of that magnitude it's going to make you know quite quite a number of waves across um, the industry I mean at the moment um, they've been able to find alternative buyers ultimately those, those disruptions will start to escalate. Um, in fact, you know the full implementation of Russia's, uh, sorry, Europe's sanctions on on Russia aren't um, don't take effect until the end of this year. So we haven't actually really seen the full uh, the full, uh, I suppose, force of those sanctions applied to uh, to the oil market. But but ultimately, as I said, um, it will be extremely difficult to. Uh, replace such a huge part um, of the market Um, and interestingly you know coming into this point um, there'd been uh, a real lack of uh, investment in in new capacity Um, in part because you know we had prices sort of fall falling um, as demand weakened just prior to the pandemic you know we'd had um, OPEC boosting uh, boosting output we'd had a U.S. Um, industry driven by you know this huge growth in in shale oil uh, really emerge um, as well, and so um, yeah, there was um, a, a lack of investment um, in in new capacity coming um, evolving as uh, as that played out. Now that's come home to roost in a in a sense because you're now left with um, uh, producers who have uh, limited uh, ability to really. Uh, react to you know the supply um, disruptions that we're now starting to to emerge um, out of Russia Yeah, ultimately the industry is just ill-equipped to um, you know support that um, that disruption and that that will mean that markets you know will ultimately push prices to a point where you start to see some sort of demand destruction because it just can't um, the supply side just can't that gap, and that underinvestment that you talk
0: about—that's uh, all—is is that not also the case in, in in other commodities where producers have you know underinvested in in new capacity in recent years? So could you say that also about a number of other
1: commodities? Yeah, I think it's a phenomenon we're seeing across the entire sort of sector, both energy um, and mining. Um, you know, it's it's certainly uh, been I think a, a rather structural shift in. Um, the mentality of a lot of these uh, major, um, uh, you know, miners and uh, energy companies, and certainly being a lot more um, selective around where they put their capital um, um, to into you know uh, projects which are going to improve returns uh, for their shareholders, and that has mean that that's meant that um, you know that uh, that capital expenditure has has definitely. Uh, definitely uh, uh, resulted in less uh, less capacity um, hitting uh, hitting the market you only have to look at for example some of the key uh, critical uh, mineral metals uh, markets where um, you know they're operating in, in fairly um, difficult um, uh, regions for example um, lithium where um, you know a lot of the uh, the world's uh, resources are, are held in in brine deposits in South America, which um, require a huge amount of water um, to um, to extract uh, that lithium, and so you're raising um, you know environmental and sustainability issues there um, around that. Um, and then you look at cobalt, for example, which has been um, you know mined um, uh, predominantly out of uh, out of the Congo, which is uh, you know had its um, had its issues um, um, in the past uh, around, uh, uh, around social issues. So, you know, it's it's, um, it's an increasingly difficult um, environment to, to operate in. Um, and not that, you know, miners are shirking their responsibilities. It's just that it's taking some time to work through those issues and, and, um, and uh, improve, you know, that, um, that approach to, to ESG, which is then resulting in, um, you know, a longer period of, of time for a lot of this capital to be expended and, and uh, put into action to, to improve supplies.
0: And just on those critical minerals that you, that you mentioned uh, that are obviously going to be important and vital for the energy transition. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, the supply and the demand of those? Can we get enough of them in an environmentally sustainable way? And uh, do we face a problem with, you know, somebody or some players in the market controlling too much of them?
1: Certainly, um, you know, when we talked about, obviously, the, the energy transition um, accelerating um, as this um, energy crisis sort of develops, um, we are likely to see, I think, you know, an increased sort of focus on the electrification of, of the global uh, the global um, marketplace. And so, you're going to see, um, I think, a a real pickup in demand for uh, metals that that drive that. If we get a a real acceleration um, in that that transition, then, um, you know, the outlook um, for um, demand of metals that really uh, are key to those uh, sectors are are going to come, um, you know, accelerate and and grow, you know, a lot quicker than I think um, the market had been um, expecting so, you know, we do, uh, we do get a sense that um, you know the um, the estimates of uh, demand for metals like um, lithium, cobalt, um, even nickel and copper, copper are going to be underestimated if we continue to see uh, this energy transition accelerate at the levels we we are now um, you know seeing uh, emerging in in um, regions like Europe. Yeah, there is a real lack of quality. Um, assets out there, um, you know, that have yet to be uh, found. Really, um, certainly in more developed markets like copper and nickel, which have been, which have been, you know, quite uh, quite important sort of sectors uh, for the the rest of the global economy for some time. Um, you know, the ability to find a, a large scale um, high quality copper. Uh, mine is becoming increasingly difficult and so the cost um, to to develop some of these where you know you're having to look deeper underground in more difficult environments for example in South America where they have water issues a lot of the projects there for example are now having to build um, desalination plants. Um, China has dominated you know a large uh, part of this sector particularly in in rare earths but also um, in, the, uh, in the smelting and refining of a lot of these uh, critical minerals. Um, and so as the, you know, the relationship, particularly between uh, the US and China, um, you know, seems to, to get more fractious, um, you're starting to see, uh, you know, the US really look um, to, um, uh, to somehow developing and supporting that industry so that they, uh, they can be um, sure that you know they've got a secure amount of supply to really um, develop their markets as well without being beholden to I suppose you know the the, the political ramifications um, out of uh, out of China
0: I'm glad you mentioned China um, I wanted to bring them up uh, as the you know largest consumer of many commodities we are also still dealing with a, a global pandemic uh, that's been aff- affecting supply chains and I just wondered how has china's you know approach to the pandemic and its, its zero COVID um strategy sort of how has that impacted on, on on global markets
1: well it's had you know quite a big uh impact i mean you you have someone uh, that uh, consumes you know more than half of, of global demand for some commodities so certainly the um the energy markets um you know like um like what occurred during uh, the initial phases of the pandemic and more developed markets, you know, we've seen obviously demand um, weaken as a consequence of that. Um, but, you know, it has also disrupted supply chains within the um, country as well, and that's impacted uh, both uh, industrial activity, uh, but also, you know, ultimately, you know, that that demand for for metals. Um, and so, um, you know, we've seen a, a, a real concern, I suppose, about what that means for um, a lot of these uh, you know, global, uh, global markets. And it's really been the reason why we've seen prices come off, um, you know, quite substantially over the past couple of months, even though a lot of these markets are still facing, um, you know, quite significant supply side um, issues. So, at a, at a recent uh, Politburo meeting there in in China, uh, they did highlight the fact that they were going to place increasing importance um, on their zero COVID strategy over economic uh, growth. So that did that did raise warning bells for um, you know commodity markets uh, because there is that that threat, I suppose, that um, you know demand could be impacted as you know we see these ongoing restrictions and lockdowns well thanks very much dan for joining us on blue notes
0: thank you for listening to blue notes this podcast was produced by the blue notes editorial team with music by kevin mcleod
1: blue notes is a publication of anz banking group